Hi everyone, welcome back to the Ask Mike show. Mike here is your host as always and today I'm joined with Wade Lightheart in the studio. Wade, thanks for coming on. Great to be here, thanks for having me. So I heard that you started off life as a natural bodybuilder, so share your origin story around health and fitness because I have one, lots of other bodybuilders I'm sure have one, so what's yours? Yeah, so um, life was relatively normal kid growing up in Canada till I was 15 years old. Three things happened when I was 15. One, my parents moved to from a very rural town to an, uh, a place which was five miles to my nearest neighbor up a dirt road where the telephone poles ended at my doorstep, basically. And uh, so I was isolated and away from my community, away from my friends, away from all these sort of stuff. And it was a beautiful, they were caretakers of a resort, which was nice. However, I had a lot of time on my hands. and. Um, so I needed something to do. I had a lot of time to reflect, a lot of time to think, and also a lot of time to do something. So I needed just something to do. Second thing happened is my sister, uh, who was four years my senior, was diagnosed with Hodgkin's disease, which is a form of cancer of the lymph nodes. And over the next four years, which was basically my entire high school career, uh, I watched her go through the medical model before she died at the age of 22. Oh. What, what impact that had on me was your life isn't guaranteed and your health is not a guarantee. And I had this... Um, you know, we would take her home from the hospital and, you know, we take her treatment and we'd have to stop maybe six, seven times on the way home. So she would vomit from the chemotherapy treatment and my teenage self, I remember thinking to myself, well, this, you know, this, the treatment seems worse than the disease. I don't know if this makes sense. Well, what is the, what, how do you actually get health? Because I would think, if you, if you, you know, it just in my naive kind of way is like, if you want more health, you should do healthy things. I couldn't figure out how yeah. doing things that made you sicker was going to somehow make you overcome a disease. So the third thing that happened was during, and it's all started in a very short window of time over maybe a period of a month or two. She gave me a bodybuilding magazine that had Troy Zuclato on the cover it was a blonde guy like me who had just won Mr. California and he had two pretty girls and bikinis on the cover. I can still see it in my mind today. And, you know, I was like, wow, if maybe if I get these muscles, I could be attractive to girls and all that sort of stuff. So I set about building a gym in my barn. Uh, we had a barn out there and I would go out and train every day in this barn. Uh, built a, yeah, I had a day job that I, in the summer that I started um, constructing my own, I bought a weight set and then I started building pulleys and, and apparatus that looked like a Rocky when he fought Yvonne Drago, that kind of set and um, started training. And then I discovered the writings of Arnold Schwarzenegger in his book, uh, Education of a Bodybuilder and an in, in Encyclopedia of Bodybuilding. And of course, Arnold was the most famous person in the world. He was the number one box office hero. He was, you know, this hyper masculine guy that did, and had won all these Mr. Universes and Mr. Olympias and stuff. And I was like, wow. And in that book, he said three things that changed my life. He says, um, you can achieve anything in life if you have hard work, self-discipline and a positive attitude. And he said that everything that all his success was founded in the principles that he learned by bodybuilding. And I said, wow, everybody I know works hard, like very rural area. It's it's hunting, it's fishing, it's the lumber industry, manual labor oftentimes high risk, uh, very extreme conditions, and people are tough there, and they work very hard. 
But self-discipline and a positive attitude was not anything anybody in my influence told me about. And so I started training and believing everything that Arnold Schwarzenegger told me in, through his writings and his books and started following all the current uh, athletes, went on to study exercise physiology at the University of New Brunswick, which was a foundational compartmentalized education. In other words, there was a whole bunch of stuff on physiology and biology and exercise, but there was no unification. There was all these competing um, information pieces. And so when I got out, I started mentoring under various people who were producing the result that I wanted to, to, to base it on. And that led me uh, to work on virtually every single level of the uh, health and nutrition from being a sponsored athlete to working in stores, to managing gyms, to becoming a personal trainer and owning my own store and eventually developing my own educational materials with my partner. And concordantly, I was competing in contests, eventually uh, resulting in my representing my country at the Mr. Universe contest. And, uh, and after that contest, I had a physical disaster. I went from Mr. Universe to Mr. Marshmallow. I gained 42 pounds in 11 weeks after that contest. And I met a doctor by the name of Michael O'Brien, who had um, he was in his seventies. He was super vibrant. He had this, he was just the picture of super health and vitality. I never met a more vital person. And I certainly not as a senior citizen, but at any level, this guy was amazing. And he was smart and he had uh, cured himself of cirrhosis of the liver and colon cancer. And he'd helped Bernard Jensen recover from cancer who wrote about it in his book, come alive. And he had all these incredible stories and he started and I went to him and said, well, what happened to me? I've got the best trainer. I've been following this for 16 years. I've, I've got Spartan discipline. I'm doing everything right. What's going on? And he said, well, wait, you've learned to build the body from the outside in. I'm going to teach you how to build the body from the inside out. And way back in 2004, I started learning about the microbiome and enzymes and probiotics and mineralization and the, the technological innovations that had compromised our food and the chemicals that had disrupted our digestive ability and how all of these things had created this result and how, more importantly, how I could change that. And so I followed his program. I literally, you know, I took all these enzymes and probiotics and rebuilt my digestive system that had been wrecked from the performance diet that I was following. And within six months, not only did I get my physique back, I got my health and vitality to a level I, I had only dreamed of. Um, Matt and I started an online business at that point in the bodybuilding world where we started distributing information and teaching this people the same things that I was learning because I knew that they were going to end up with the same result I was if they followed this performance-based model. We wanted to address their health and as well as their aesthetic ideas. Yep. And we gathered uh, over the next four years, we had, I think, 15,000 people that we worked with. Wow. And from that, we got a lot of information that we were able to kind of optimize these programs. I had retired from bodybuilding after the Mr. Universe, and I made a comeback on a very short period of time. Uh, won a couple more national titles, went to the world championships, uh, went from 13th to 5th. I was never had, I had terrible genetics. So, you know, one and two were certainly out of my range. Those guys were just di a different ball game, but I got to the best that I could in the world 
out of uh, science, out of determination and out of a little bit of luck. And from that point, I started spreading that message ever since, which is now coming into popularity. Almost every single bodybuilder at a high level uses enzymes in their digestive system. Probiotics are now in vogue in virtually every store in the world. And, and I like to think that we started that trend a long time ago uh, before anybody was talking about it. And of course, now our company addresses all of those things uh, that we've been continuing ever since. So what were the, the main changes? Because from the outside in, I imagine a lot of it is based on the aesthetics. As someone that keeps reasonably healthy yes. anyway, um, just for myself, it's, it's a different style of training from health to like performance to aesthetics. There's little changes in there. It's not like... Yes. I mean, there are similarities. You've still got to do the work, but what you do and how you do it and all those things are all like slight changes. But when you think about health and then you decided to go, right, I'm now going to try and compete again. I'm going to go back into the sort of competition, bodybuilding world. What were the main shifts that you made from the health side, looking after yourself, getting back on the horse, so to speak, and then making the shift to bodybuilding. Did you add things to the health stuff or did you make changes? And what was the difference between getting your health back and then deciding to make the shift back into the bodybuilding world? Yeah, great questions. Um, and I would say we have three, we have what we call the bioptimization triangle. And, and bioptimizers is all about biological optimization. We're dietary agnostic. We believe that you should select a diet based on whatever your goals are, performance, health-wise, lifestyle, spiritualized, and stuff like that. And we wrote a book, kind of our principles called the Biological Optimization Blueprint to kind of show our methodology of how we go about that. We're both physiologists and trainers and kinesiologists, Matt and I, that founded the company. So there's three areas where people get attracted into this industry. Aesthetics is the first one. We want to look better. We want to, you know, meet the Instagram model or be on the cover of the magazine or be in the show or recognize generally. And that's usually dealing with uh, sexual preference uh, aesthetics. That's the first reason. Then people fall into another category, which is performance. So as life goes along and you have a business career and you maybe you have a home family life or whatever, you're deciding like, I need to be at my top this many hours a day and I'm going to adopt a lifestyle that is gonna help me perform. Now, one of the dangers that happens in both aesthetics and performance, and this is what happened to me, is I made choices to perform at a certain level, which had unforeseen consequences. And I'll, I'll go back in time, just here's, here's something that I think people need to recognize is when they did the Dubbin inquiry after the Ben Johnson positive drug test at the 1988 Olympics, they interviewed Olympic gold medalists or Olympic athletes, excuse me. And one of the questions was, if you were, were able to give, take a drug that was undetected and would guarantee you a gold medal, but you had a 95% chance of dying in the next five years, would you take it? 95% of the participants said yes. Wow. So 
as a society, we have to, we celebrate excellence through performance in athletic endeavor, professional achievements on video and stuff like that. But I don't think few people recognize what the potential long-term consequences of that excellent is. Now, I'm not here to condemn that. That's, that's fine. And I'm, I'm, I'm a libertarian in believing that we should do this, but I'm not into sharing with people some pie in the sky idea. When I went to the Mr. Universe, I made a conscientious decision not to, to, to go around the drug testing protocols, which most of my competitors were doing. And my coach said to me, you understand that your likelihood of winning this contest is zero if you are not willing to do these. We can mask those drugs if you want to take them. <laughs> but I was on a different trip by that time. I was like, no, I don't, I don't want to go down that road. I want to see where this goes. And it turned out it was a good cho choice because I didn't do drugs and I was a vegetarian competing. And I made some mistakes on that. But that led me to some other discoveries, which kind of launched our brand because it was unusual that you had a drug-free vegetarian bodybuilder competing at the world championships that people were like, well, that's crazy. How'd you do it? And where to, to answer your question after that, after that universe contest, we had those four years in between, we started addressing the health side of the equation. How could I perform at a high level? How could I achieve these aesthetic goals? Because world championships in bodybuilding as the pinnacle of aesthetics. So we, we were in a unique situation is that we understood we could get the aesthetics and we understood the performance parameters, but how do we do this in a healthy way without compromising ourselves? That took us a number of years to figure out, which we did. And, and when it comes to a health standpoint is you're mitigating what you want to do from a performance level by also looking through the lenses, what is the impact of my long-term health. Everybody ends up in the health equation sooner or later. Um, and, you know, you look at professional, like, and what I think a lot of people misidentify is they see fitness as health. And I would say fitness is a component of health. There is, you know, you take a Navy SEAL, extremely fit person, is their lifestyle healthy? No, they're putting themselves in danger's way all the time. Uh, you take an NFL football player. Are they fit? Definitely. Are they healthy? No, every it's a 100% injury rate. You know, and life is a contact sport and everybody has a certain risk of tolerance and everybody has a performance ceiling that they wish to embrace. So there's not one size that fits all. However, we want to be able to identify on, an, on a person-to-person -person basis those three parameters and their relative levels of performance or importance, whether it's aesthetics, performance, or, or health, and then customize a lifestyle that supports that goal. And so what's interesting is the principles and philosophy that we developed work for all three of those categories. And, you know, we have athletes, for example, who are using a variety of performance enhancing drugs. We have executives which are doing the same thing, but we're able to mitigate some of the consequences of those choices because of what we offer. We have other people that are able to achieve what they feel like is drug-like performance without using the drugs. And I think that's even the best, that's the best idea. So we're not here to make assessments about what people choose or what they do. Um, like I said, we're kind of a libertarian or philosophy, but we are providing real world solutions so that you can 
mitigate um, to the best ability the choices that you do make. One of the things that did really, really stand out there was consequences and how can we mitigate some of the consequences. Now, is there a way of finding out what those are? I mean, the most basic level is, I mean, even something like caffeine's a drug, right? And if you drink too much mm -hmm. caffeine, then you've got to mitigate that with sleep enhancements or just detox yep. caffeine and that balances itself out. That's really straightforward, reasonably basic. Even someone that knows very little about this sort of stuff, me, can, can sort of figure that out. What about some of the other slightly more difficult to figure out what the consequences might be? How do you predict what they are and figure out how to reverse engineer the solutions to that? Great question. So first and foremost, um, I, I thought about this long and hard and I developed what I call the awesome health philosophy. And I was looking at all the competing information from diet and information and health and performance protocols. And I was like, okay, well, we need to address the single cell inside the body because that is the common universal element of all humans. So the theory is if we can make the cells in the body function better, then we should be able to have a benefit on all three levels of the pyramid, if you will, the aesthetics, the performance, and the health. So I went, okay, well, if you talk to most health experts, they're going to suggest their version of the healthiest diet. But I went, wait a second, we need to challenge, we need to challenge the assumptions that we're making. How long can you go without food? M months. It's not pleasant. You can survive a long time without food. There's people that do it all the time. Yeah, true. So food isn't the primary determinant. Therefore, diet shouldn't be the primary determinant. How long can you go without water? Much less time than you can with food. Therefore, water is superior to cellular function than food. Well, wait a second. Is that number one? No, it's not. Because how long can you go without air? Not very long. No. So the first three principles... Oh, the other, then there was a fourth piece. And that is if you strap a person to a bed, like someone who's bedridden, how quickly does every single performance parameter of their body deteriorate? They all go down at extraordinary levels. You see anybody that's gone to the hospital or sick or has an injury, if you put a, your arm in a cast or whatever it happens to be, there's a massive drop off. So I realized that the first principles were air, water, and exercise. These three things are non-negotiable and are something that require extra attention because technological innovation has disrupted fresh air, has disrupted healthy water and cellular hydration, and has made us uh, significantly reduce our exercise. So as people live in, in a technologically advanced world, we need to address those things first before we do anything else. And for anybody to tell you any different is they're not looking at this lens objectively through the world that we live in today. You know, living as a human up until the last 50, 60 years was a physical endeavor. But today you can sit behind a computer, have everything delivered and not walk a, a mile in a week. Yeah, true. 
So, so we, 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 we haven't adapted to that kind of technological envision. Now, there are technologies that allow it. Like I have a bike that I'm on most days while I'm doing my videos. I've got rebounder. Like I'm, so I have to restructure how I approach my life in order to do this. And then when we get to diet, I look at diet not as chemistry. I look at it from a physics standpoint. And at the fundamental level of mitochondrial function, we have what's called electron covalent transfer is a charged particle is moving from one part of the universe to another part of the universe inside our body. And the efficiency of that movement is going to determine how much quote unquote energy the total cellular being that we call a body actually has. Therefore, when we are looking at diet, we are looking at how quickly we can convert light into the movement of light in our body. So it's all frequency, vibration, and chemistry to me is an, is an intermediary observation point and nothing more and nothing less. So choose the diet that's right for you, that allows for you the smoothest conversion with the least amount of friction, known as free radical damage, uh, inside your body based on where you're at. And so that's how I, that, that's the fundamental standpoints. And then we get into optimizers. What are the, what are the things that activate and make the cells work better? Well, we know the only two things that do work in the body is enzymes and probiotics. So those are the workers. Then we have essential amino acids, essential fatty acids, essential minerals, trace minerals, essential vitamins. And then basically we have a whole host of herbs after that, which I believe um, move the flow of electrical energy uh, through the various channels inside the body. And then you have your mental belief and attitude. You, if you have a lousy attitude, um, it doesn't matter what you do, you're, you're not gonna be well. And if you have a great attitude, you can get away with a lot. Uh, and then finally, how do you determine all this? Well, education, the root word for that is to learn from within. And in order to learn from within, you have to run a test. And the best way to accelerate through that process is to use coaching. So I call that the et cetera, education, testing, and coaching, which is the end of the awesome formula, which is the framework which we apply. And I give that course away to everybody in my, with our company. And I summarize these in five to 15 minute videos that people can learn over a 12 week period. There's 84 videos. And that gives a foundational approach to how you systematically use your your resources, your time, your money, uh, in a way that gives you the maximum effect based on the resources that you have at any given time. And uh, it, it's been a great journey. And then, and of course, you can take that to whatever level as your resources become more available. And of course, I'm on that end where I'm doing all sorts of strange things that I believe are contributing to healthy, high performance and extending not only my life, but extending, because that's not a guarantee, but extending the quality of the life that I have with what I have available. It's interesting that you bring that up, actually, because there's a difference between just living longer and then being able to still do things with that length of time that you have. So it's not really worth having an extra 10 years if you're sort of bedridden and your, your joints are aching and you can barely breathe. It's a very difficult 
it's a very difficult conversation to have with some people because there are people that um you know help others pass away because they can't live you know they can't yes. life right so there are people out there that would rather have it end earlier because of their condition and then there are people that live really well that want it to keep going so i think that that's that's a very interesting conversation isn't it around it's more about your health and your vitality and probably a bit of performance but then you want that to keep being relatively high as you age yes and then there's also the person who is say um maybe they're a mountain climber or they're a surfer or they're involved in a contact sport like the nfl where oftentimes the damage afterwards is for the life but they've determined I'm willing to accept the long-term consequences or even the shortening of my projected lifespan because I believe that the value of the risks that I'm taking to do this gives more meaning to my life than the duration of it. Yet we have, according to the New England Journal of, of, of Medicine, um, Press Professor Oshansky did a research article uh, which used a great uh, data analysis in the United States. And this was during the Bush administration and, and his information was curtailed to the public, his official records. And that was for the first time in American history, um, the lifespan of children were being projected to be shorter than the adults. The second thing was is he noted was the disability adjusted lifespan in the United States was 60 years old, even though people are living to be around 80. So we're talking about spending 25% of your life in some sort of compromised disability that for the most part, for probably 90% of those people could have been avoided through lifestyle and so my goal is to address those lifestyle issues so that we can live long, but also we can live strong. What are some of the crazy things that you do then to get the most sort of return on the investment? Because you mentioned that you do some like crazy things. What, what are they? Sure. Well, um, it's, it, when I first started, some of these were really outlandish, but now that's becoming in vogue. <laughs> yeah. But there's also people who aren't exposed to this and think it's very weird. Your, your audience will probably be a little bit more versed in it. But um, I started out years ago uh, doing a daily meditation and energization practice, which would be equivalent of Qigong or pranic energy components. Um, I have a variety of filters uh, and machines on my water. So I have uh, all the filtration to take all the chemicals out and the fluoride out and the chlorine out. And then I run it through an electrolysis machine. So I get free, you know, electrons, negative ions. Uh, I have um, ozone breathing filtration in my house so that I get better air. Um, I sit in front of, uh, you know, full spectrum red lighting in an in a, in a EMF protected sauna. Um, I jump up and down on a rebounder every day. Uh, then of course I do some of the regular things like I work out with weights. I take a vast array of nutritional supplements 
I use a vast array of uh, cognitive enhancers that we've developed to optimize my neurotransmitters based on the state that I want to achieve. Um, I have a host of chiropractors, uh, acupuncturists, massage therapists, um, energetic healers, you name it, I'm off to some other thing to experiment uh, with what it is, psychologists, uh, you name it, Any anything that I can see might be something integrating into my complete profile. We do tapping to remove traumas. We go to brain training in order to rewire our brains to develop new capabilities and skills, increase our EQ and our IQ simultaneously. Um, you know, uh, I've done uh, a variety of different plant medicine uh, journeys to experiment with traditions in other cultures. I've experimented with Ayurvedic uh, practices, uh, you know, which are sometimes extreme in order to detoxify the body. I've experimented with Chinese medicine and all the very herbal components that is involved in that and, 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 and the healing modalities that are involved in that. Plus, you know, I lift weights and ride bikes and run on the beach and, you know, all, all those kind of crazy things. So it's a lifestyle that is embracing experimentation in all these areas. And, and there's lots of failures in there. I mean, we want to be clear about, it. I'm not some guy that's figured all these things out or whatever, but you keep what you can. You have a reservoir, a reservoir of things that you can use if you require them. And then uh, you share what might be the right solution for somebody at the right appropriate time. How long per day would you say they take? Because listeners might be thinking that'd take all day. I wouldn't have time to work or eat or sleep or, or go to the toilet even. It sounds like if we do this all the time, it take over our life. Now, I know that society, if you will, used to allow us to do that. If we go back far enough, we all did elements of that. If we go back far enough, because mm -hmm. we had the time. Yes. Better. So, how long does it take you to do per day on average? So if you have like three sessions a day of doing this kind of thing, sort of combine the, the three, if you will, how long would you say you spend on doing this kind of biohacking, health and working out kind of practices? Well, it'll vary on a given day, depending on what my schedule happens to be. The other thing is I'm a big fan of stacking. In other words, um, I believe that you continually integrate little components so that it just becomes part of the habitual routine. And if you get really, really, really bone crushing honest with one's priorities, you'll start to realize that, uh, I think it was uh, Pink Floyd that said you in, in, in time, you fritter and waste the hours in an offhand way. Uh, was one of the lines in time. And I love that line. I've, I've listened to that song and I always remind myself of that. Like, where am I bleeding time? So yeah. for example, um, I'll get up in the morning and I'll do my, my energization practice and my meditation. I can actually compress the entire awesome formula into a 15 minute a day routine. Okay. You get 80% of the benefits in 15 minutes. And that would be, I would simply get up, um, go downstairs, drink one liter of water, uh, ionized water with my vitamins, my minerals, take my enzymes, my probiotics, my nootropics, all that sort of stuff, 
every, all the essentials, go upstairs on my roof where I got my rebounder, jump for 15 minutes a day doing deep breathing exercise in the sunshine with a little affirmation and some great music on in my podcast. And that's it. If I did, if every person on the planet did that, we would change the, we, we would change the trajectory of the health, the healthy uh, life expectancy of the population by at least 10 years. No question in my mind. Now to get specific on my own self. So let's talk about this morning. I got up this morning. I spent probably 30 minutes in my meditation practice through my energization and meditation. I was doing my meditation inside my infrared sauna. So I had this full spectrum or, or actually full spectrum. It's more than infrared. There's a whole series of lights on that. And so I'm in there doing my energization and my med, or my, doing my meditation practice. So I'm stacking that. Then I get up and I want to do some low resolution cardio. So what do I do? I walk down to Bulletproof while I'm listening to a podcast to educate, which is relative to my business, right? So I walk down there. I got a Bulletproof coffee this morning uh, that kind of turbocharges the nootropics I took. I come back um, and then I'm at work and I'll work all day this afternoon around three o'clock. And so I got up, say at, at six and, you know, I was at my desk by eight 30 and I'll work all through the day. Um, have any, I had a protein shake and, you know, with, with my, my bulletproof. So, so I've got my fats and my protein. I haven't eaten anything else. I'll eat around maybe two or three. I'll go back to the gym and probably work out for 45 minutes in the gym. Uh, you know, it will be a weight workout that I like to do. Not everybody likes to do weights. I like to do it. And then I'll walk back home and that's it. Or I'll do the work. If it's I'm pressed for time, I do it on my home gym upstairs. I got a home gym upstairs on the, on the roof. So I'll do it then. So I would say for me, it's one to three hours a day, right? If it's a good day, it's three. If it's a poor day, it's one. If it's a terrible day, it's 15, 20 minutes. But even then, it's so much of this is baked into my lifestyle that even where I live, like my work is at where I live. You know, it's downstairs in the, in the studio office. My gym is upstairs. I can get a workout upstairs. So I've altered my life, my living experiences and what I do so much that it just fulfills my lifestyle components. And there's very little waste in the, in the form of time. For those that are listening, I have put either a Google result of what Wade's spoken about with the different aspects of like the sauna, the coffee, the rebounder, all those things. I've put some sort of resource in the show notes for those that are curious, those that have the more experimental mindset around health. And I have the same sort of thing in that because I've actually got health conditions as well. So from an early age, it's been sport, it's been exercise, it's been baked into my life. So I think that people tend to have a starting point in terms of what revolves around their life. So unfortunately, it tends to be work first. Correct. Uh, I was fortunate. You seem to have built similar in the health was there either first or you realized how much of a priority it was that you, sh you shifted the scale in that health is allowed, if you will, to be a big priority. Now, having said that, 
one to three hours when you might work for eight to ten, depending on like travel back and to and all those things. You could still fit in something. And you mentioned the 15 minutes a day sort of stacking mm -hmm. is just uh a nice way of saying multitasking for those of you that are a bit more, what does stacking mean? Multitask. You walk while you're doing something, you even the shower doing something, you know, there's that element to it as well. And I think that even if they just take your 15 minute strategy, your 15 minutes sort of don't have a lot of time, what can I do? Just reeling off what that 15 minutes would look like. I think people would get a lot from that, as, as you said. Is there anything in particular that you've, because you've gone through a lot, anything in particular that you would say got you the best return on the investment? So even if, if, you, think, yep. if you think money wasn't an object, because if it's a priority, you're probably prepared to invest in it. Yep. What was, let's say, top three, if you could think of three, or like when I do this, it moves the needle more than the others. Yes. The three things I mentioned right off. So I would get a mini trampoline, um, which anybody can use in their own home and leverages acceleration, deceleration, and works every single cell in the body, not just your muscles. So, and it doesn't matter your impact level. It's very, very safe. I use Dave Hall's cellar sizer. Awesome. Um, I have uh, a water ionizer by Enagic, which I spent about $4,500 for 13 years ago. I spent about 150 bucks on filters and, and I have a pre-filter that costs around 500 for that to get all the other stuff out. But if you look at it, so over 13 years all in with the filter changes and everything, that's maybe $6,000. I don't buy bottled water. Bottled water is two, three, four, sometimes five bucks a bottle, depending where you're at. So, so the value of return, I've saved money, I've improved the environment, and I got a way superior source. It also makes uh, oil, it, it'll emulsify oil. I can change the pH so it emulsify oil. So I get oil-based pesticides off my food, which you can't get off otherwise. I can make cleaner with it. I can make disinfectant with it. This is an all-purpose health device that made a massive impact in my life. One of the best investments I've ever did. I think the cultivation of a mindfulness practice of meditation, deep breathing, breathing practice in itself, whether you're doing box breathing, whether you're doing Wim Hof breathing, whether you're doing pranic breath or Qigong or whatever, probably nothing moves the needle as far as my mental well-being is that. And so, and understanding the principles allows me to combine all of those into that 15 minute a day. So when I do that 15 minutes, I drink the water, I put my vitamins and minerals on, I take my enzymes, I take my probiotics, I take my essential fatty acids, I take my proteins, I take my healthy carbohydrates, I drink it all, I jump up and down and detoxify my lymphatic system and pump oxygen into the system. So in 15 minutes, I've compressed all of those things I talked about. You can't be unhappy jumping on a rebounder. It's not possible. You just automatically start to feel good. Yeah. And so that compression of literally my life's work into that 15 minutes will transform anybody's life. And the whole thing would probably cost a person in the course of their lifetime, less than 10,000 bucks. What a great deal. 
it sounds pretty good actually I mean when I when I go back to my sort of younger years I used to love the trampoline I know there are people listening going so we just bounce on a trampoline yes the one of the one of the issues that people might have is it seems a bit like I roll like if you will, in inverted commas. And I think Correct. one of the issues that I think is worth addressing just for now, just because you've mentioned it a lot and it's one of your top bad bang for your book, if you will, is I'm aware of some of the reason why people do it. Um, but as, as you're here, for people that need to know, why use a rebounder? Yes. So years ago, I met a fellow by the name of David Hall. And what was very interesting about him, he was in his 50s at the time. He was absolutely shredded. His body fat level was at what I would call a world championship bodybuilder level, which is like, you know, very single digits. But when what was really interesting about him is you could take his muscles and they were like a cat. In other words, when you'd squeeze them, you'd squeeze his bicep for some, when it's relaxed, you could touch your fingers together. Yet when he flexed it, it was like a steel cable. And I noticed he had what I called the healthiest muscle that I had ever seen, even being a, a professional athlete in, in, in that area. So I was like, that was struck me. And I started to do research. And the basic energy production unit of the body it's called the mitochondria. It used to be bacteria. It fused with our cells. And this is how we get energy from any dietary practice. The other thing is, is there's this thing called the lymphatic system. Now, my sister, of course, died because of cancer of the lymph nodes. And which our lymphatic system is three and a half times the volume of our blood system. And they never talk about it. This is the exhaust system. So the mitochondria is the engine. And the lymphatic system is the exhaust. Now, here's the thing. We know that we can put lots of different types of gas in a car and it'll still run. It might have smoke out the back. It might do whatever, but it'll still run and have various types of power. But if we plug up the tailpipes with a couple of bananas, let's say, well, guess what? That car will not run because it's not getting the exhaust out of the engine. What trampolining does is it leverages acceleration and deceleration. So when you're doing a, a, say an eight inch bounce off a rebounder, which is not very high, you are doubling the gravitational effects on the body with each bounce. Now, what's interesting is the water inside your cells is going to move up and forth. just like I'm stepping on the gas or putting on the brakes in a car. You kind of go forward and go back. And that's why Einstein said you, your body can't tell the difference between acceleration, deceleration, and gravity. They're, they exert forces very similar to the body. With a mini trampoline, you, are, you have a moment where you're at zero gravity, the top of the bounce. And you have a, a moment where you're at the distance that you are jumping times your weight at the bottom where the full force of the impact is, 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 is hitting. Hmm. What that does is it creates that sloshing effect inside the cells and puts an internal stress, not just on the muscles jumping. It puts stress on the pancreas cells, the brain cells, your toenail cells. <laughs> Every one of those cells is forced to adapt. And the two things that happen are this. 
it increases the amount of mitochondria. So it upgrades your four cylinder engine over time to a 12 cylinder engine Lamborghini. And it also moves the lymphatic system because in order for the lymphatic system to work in order to detox the cells, you need movement. You, 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 whether it's walking or running or biking or whatever, you need movement and people are lacking movement today. So here's a way where I can get way more benefit from a movement effect, from a lymphatic detoxification effect, from the increase of mitochondrial, not just in the cells that I'm working on a particular exercise, but in every cell of my body. So I'm literally upgrading the cellular functioning of the body with those components. And that's why I think it's the most superior form of exercise that a person could do, even though I love lifting weights. It's very well put, actually. And I think that hopefully you've convinced a lot of the listeners that are listening to at least try it, just at least get one, try it, feel some of the the differences and improvements in yourself. Um, when I do it, I've noticed my... Uh, I feel a little bit heavier at first because obviously you've got the the gravitational, you know, if you get off the trampoline and you go, this is really heavy. Why have I suddenly got really heavy? But then that that strengthens the muscles, doesn't it? Because you start to then feel lighter over time and then your circulation mm -hmm. is a lot quicker and all those things. So sometimes you've got to do it for a while before you start to get the benefit. You've got to be kind of, acute benefits and then the longer term benefits as well. So thanks for, thanks for sharing that Wade. I think some people might've needed to, needed to hear that <laughs> before we go, how can people learn more about you? So you've got by optimizers, how do people find out about it? Yeah. So they can go to www.bioptimizers.com slash ask Mike, and you can put in ask Mike 10, you get a 10% discount on anything. You can download the course for free. So go get the awesome health course. And I explain the nuances of all these things, as well as addressing the biggest issue that people are dealing with today. Um, and that is gastrointestinal related issues. We address digestive issues, which are disrupting the long-term health of the population. So we've write a variety of, uh, of sorts of that, but get the course. It's free. Uh, and I'll start, you know, can go deeper and reach out to our team and we'll answer questions. I answer all the questions personally. It's really fun and I love doing it. So, and then we do Instagram and Facebook and I have an awesome health podcast, but you'll find all that stuff on the Bioptimizers website. And uh, yeah, if, you, if there's something in there that uh, works for you, then go for it. And it's Ask Mike 10 for 10% off anything in the store. Yeah. Correct. Awesome. Well, Wade, it's been great to chat. I really enjoyed spending time. It's been a very, very in-depth conversation, and I look forward to keeping in touch. Oh, thank you so much. And for those that are new to the show, make sure you subscribe if you haven't already. Tag myself or Wade on Instagram. Let him know how you responded to the show, whether you liked it, and leave a review if you feel compelled to. I shall see you all again on the next episode.